Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we have to be together this morning. Uh, thank you for the Internet and how useful it can be for believers to communicate and reach each other from distances and yet feel so close, particularly in your word. Uh, lift up our uh, president and our nation, the decisions that are being made, the things that are being spoken. And I understand Lord, the chaos uh, that occurs here, Lord, but we know that you are above all and uh, that you uh, care for us in this great nation. And we just pray that we would understand what it is, is your will here, Lord, and help us to communicate your message uh, in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Charlie. Well, we have a great opportunity set before us today, a great privilege to open God's word again. And today will be the final segment on what we've previously been looking at. We've been focusing in on this word that Paul uses so many times to describe the uh, the revelation given to him by the risen and the ascended Christ Jesus. So for some significant period, uh, it seems uh, as much as three years, Christ often appeared to Paul and uh, taught him concerning the majesty of his grace for us today in this dispensation of the grace of God. And uh, he uses this word fullness, right? And we spent our three previous uh, studies on that word. We, we considered the fullness of the word of God that was given to Paul for our edification. We considered already the fullness of, of the sufferings of Christ given to Paul for our example. And we considered last time the fullness of Christ's supply given to us for our empowering. And I hope that those uh, were a great blessing for you. Certainly it was a privilege for me to share that truth with you. There's hardly any truth other than the truth relating to the finished uh, work of Christ uh, on Calvary's cross and then his glorious resurrection, dying for our sins, paying the full payment for them, and then gloriously being raised from the dead. Hardly a greater truth than these that we've been considering, because really this is all about what God is doing today. Uh, that's the great question, isn't it, on, in people's minds? Many would say, if God, or if only God, but certainly we know that God does exist, but the question is, what is God doing today, right, compared to what he's done in the past or what he will do in the future uh, under different dispensational programs? Now, this teaching is all part of the longer series on the long war against God. So if all of this truth is being revealed through Paul, you can be pretty sure Satan wants to prevent that from happening to the greatest of his abilities, right? And so he's going to be conflicting with those sharing this truth. And that's exactly what has been quite clear in history from uh, Paul's day up to the present, right? And yet the light of grace has not been snuffed out, has it? Uh, and the truth still goes forth. The gospel is still preached. And the word has been preserved, and we have that word set before us today. I'm going to uh, finish up looking at the subject of fullness and that particular special word that Paul uses for that. Uh, we're going to finish that up today. And really, I, I think you might uh, have to agree with me that when we do this study, our eyes really are opened to the many dimensions uh, in which God is working today under grace, the many dimensions. And in all of them, this word fullness uh, takes center stage in what Paul has written. We're going to consider that today mostly in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3, a letter written uh, late. It's called a prison epistle because it was written while, while Paul was in prison, written rather late in his lifetime, not that long before his martyrdom at the hand of Nero. To introduce this today, 
Let me just, uh, like I did last time, read a couple of verses from Colossians chapter 1. And uh, that's in uh, verses 24 through 29, which pretty much summarizes everything we've looked at so far regarding the fullness of God revealed today. So verse 24, who now rejoices, this is Paul writing, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind or that which lacks still of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Well, what is that? Six uh, verses in the King James translation, all part of the same sentence. Sentence starts even earlier. We picked it up right in the middle there, verse 24. You might think, well, the King James is difficult to understand because all of this is put together in one breath, as it were. Well, that's the way it is in the original language. In fact, the King James conforms quite well to the structure of the Greek that's given there in uh, the original autographs. Uh, and modern translations don't compare. Very difficult to understand this teaching in modern translations, therefore. But the King James, uh, even though it seems to be kind of uh, difficult, it's many things kind of put together there in a sequence, you have to go phrase by phrase, word by word, and dwell on them in order to receive the, the truth, right? But so be it. That's the way it is. That's what the Holy Spirit inspired. Last time, our key scripture was Philippians 1, verses 19 through 21. And I'll read that, and then we'll uh, get on with our teaching for today. Philippians 1, verses 19 through 21. I'm reminding you of this because repetition is key to understanding. And uh, these things need to be written in our hearts and in our minds. Philippians 1, verse 19. I know... Now he's, ta he's writing here about his imprisonment in, in Rome, the first of two imprisonments. I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, we focused on that last time, the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, which uh, was working a great work in Paul, and that's, in fact, our example, and... Uh, and be our empowering as well, right? The Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, in nothing I shall be ashamed. Well, Paul could say that not because he was perfect. <laughs> no man is perfect, right? Uh, but, but rather he could say it and boldly testify that because he knew about the glory of God being worked out through him. And we should know the same. Do we know it? I hope we're gaining in our understanding. Last time we looked at four sections of Scripture. I'm not going to go back to those today. But we did end up with that Philippians 1 section I just read. That's a wonderful work indeed that, that 
Christ provides a constant supply to us. It's like it's like an artesian well. And <clears throat> there are many artesian wells in the east and northeast. In fact, uh, our well was put in by a company called the Artesian <laughs> Well Company. Uh, our well is not totally artesian. If it were, it would be running out of the top <laughs> of the pipe, right? <clears throat> uh, at least it would if it were uncapped. Ours is not quite artesian, but... Uh, the water supply goes from 470 feet below the surface up to 100 feet below the surface. So it's at least that much artesian. <laughs> okay, uh, that's the way our lives ought to be, right? That Jesus Christ and his life uh, overflows and is a, a, a blessing to others, right? Okay, uh, in Colossians 2.19, and I think I mentioned it last time, but I don't know that I read it. I may have read it quickly, but Colossians 2.19 summarizes this all. There, Paul says uh, that we must hold fast the head from which all the body, by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered, is knit together and increases with the increase of God or grows with the growth of God. Can't be growth without nourishment being ministered. And that comes from the head of the body, which is uh, Christ Jesus, right? And then another one uh, that I also mentioned, but I hope you're taking to heart uh, more and more day by day. And that's in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, or really you died, and your life is now hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So there's no greater manifestation of Christ's enabling power in a believer's life than to be confident and expectant with a real hope that's heavenly and eternal, as all of these verses powerfully teach. Being always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake allowed Paul to demonstrate the resurrected life and glory of his Savior, the Lord Jesus. Well, today, with that background, I'd like us to consider the Pauline revelation of the fullness of God the fullness of God under grace. We've already looked at that in our three previous uh, fellowships here. But today, in order to complete the study, I want you all to be blessed by what's found in a number of other places in Scripture. And uh, this is really the capstone of the revelation that Paul gives in a certain respect. It's sort of like um, you're covered by a great umbrella, a spiritual umbrella, and at the very top of it is this revelation. And you'll see why I say the very top of it uh, as we proceed today. And uh, I want us to consider, and this may surprise you, but uh, so be it. This is the truth of God. It is the body of Christ, which is the capstone of all of God's work today, the body of Christ. It's not working in the nations and accomplishing great purposes out there in the world. It is the body of Christ, which is the central focus of God today under grace. And I want us to consider the three aspects of that. First of all, it's glory. That is the glory of the body of Christ, as it's been revealed through Paul. Secondly, it's challenge. The challenge is for you and me and every member of Christ's body, the challenge. And thirdly, the promise, the promise, the promise that we as members of the body of Christ possess today. And we'll find that in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, and Philippians 4. Okay, first of all, the glory of the body of Christ. 
how glorious is the body of Christ and God's working in and through it? That would be the question that we want to answer. How glorious? And what words does Paul use to express that? Well, let's see. Let's jump right into this. Uh, in chapter 1, Paul reveals how glorious it is. He uses this expression, the riches of the glory. The riches, the full wealth of the glory of God is being revealed today in and through the body of Christ. Okay, We read that starting in Ephesians chapter 1. Linda, Linda, would you please read for us Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 18. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Oh, thank you. The, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. It's not talking there about our inheritance in his, in him. That's true. We have, he is our inheritance, right? This is talking about our, about us. This is, it's hard. I get tongue twisted thinking about it. It's talking about us being his inheritance. That may uh, open your mind considerably to consider, right? But if that's true, it's no wonder that he's poured out the riches of his glory upon us, right? Okay, and then continuing the same sentence, it's a very long one, one of the longest ones in the in the Bible. Um, Lisa, would you continue reading there uh, in verses 19 through 23? Yes. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Thank you. Uh, How wonderful is it? Well, I think the words, uh, if you just dwell on them phrase by phrase, right, uh, it builds it into an incredible crescendo of truth, really, which uh, ends with uh, these words, his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. I I told you, fullness is the theme, right? And this is the crescendo, the top of it, the very summit, the pinnacle of the teaching uh, given by the ascended Christ to the Apostle Paul for our blessing, right? Concerning what? Concerning the church which is his body okay and which he uh, ends here the he ends the sentence he ends it's a long breath he's taken right uh we previously were involved in singing in a choral society sometimes if you're singing something like handel's messiah or or uh something else of that sort you need to take a very deep breath or you'll never get to the end (laughs) of that particular section of the music, right? It's got to be all in one breath. Well, similarly here, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Oh, Notice that he says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know. The emphasis here is clearly on knowledge and understanding. Because you cannot receive the spiritual food from God's word unless you've grasped onto its meaning, okay? And the Holy Spirit's there to teach, but unless we take the words in, 
uh, he has nothing to teach with, right? <laughs> because the word is the instrument. It is the power of God unto salvation and also sanctification, right? Okay, so here the emphasis on our understanding being enlightened that we might come to know something, and that's not all, but also, as we'll see as we proceed, to grasp onto it, to clutch it, uh, okay? The, and that requires that we receive this in, in illumination, this illumination here uh, mentioned by Paul. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, the first two verses, uh, there's a statement about grasping onto the will of God for our lives, understanding it, accepting it even, right? Uh, and how it's logical, logical. And the truth of God is logical indeed. And we have minds that are well prepared for that. God's made us in his image, right? Our minds are well prepared to receive the logical truth of God, but it's only through the word of God that we may receive that understanding. And so Paul here is, you notice it's a prayer, right? He says he ceases not to give thanks. How many have missed this truth, right? But I pray that Paul's prayer for us, for you, for me, will be answered, right? Uh, one step at a time here as we grasp on to this truth. Now, let's continue on looking at what we just read. He mentions uh, what it is, what the content of this teaching is that we're to grasp onto and understand. It is, it's three-part. He says, uh, the hope of his calling, in other words, you might miss out not even knowing what the hope of his calling is if you don't grasp onto what's being taught here in this letter, right? Uh, you may have a wrong hope, a false hope. You may have a hope-so kind of faith, not a true hope, right? Uh, true hope can only be based upon the word of the living God, right? Uh, and then he says the second part of it, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That we are his inheritance, right? And then what is the exceeding greatness of his power? And, he's, and he says, well, let me just compare it to the greatest miracle of all time, righteous, which is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, and that resurrection is therefore uh, the example of how great the power of God is when God works. Well, he says here God is working out that power toward us who believe. Okay, so how great is the power, therefore, that God is working out towards us? Well, he says here how great it is, just consider the resurrection of Christ himself, right? And he mentions that in these words, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now, you might say, well, uh, that's a physical bodily resurrection. We're talking now on the spiritual level here, so how can it be compared, right? Uh, but it can because... Notice that the emphasis here isn't actually on the physical resurrection of Christ. That's true, and that's uh, the backdrop of this, right? The foundation of it. But notice the next words. He raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenlies, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and, and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet. Wow. <laughs> you have to take some deep breaths when you're reading this, at least I do, right? So there's a statement of fact here. When Christ was raised from the dead, he was brought into a, a circumstance where he was placed then above all of these rulers. These are spirit beings, right? In the heavenlies, right? He was placed above all of these rulers in the heavenlies who rule here on the earth, okay? And he was given a dominion, right? Now, we know from Hebrews chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians 15, which I won't go to right now, but they both quote or at least uh, refer back to Psalm chapter 8, 
where where we see a revelation of, in fact, these words, hath put all things under his feet. That's taken directly from Psalm 8 and commented on in 1 Corinthians 15 and Hebrews 2, where, where we learn that not all things have been completely placed under Christ's feet yet. Okay, There are still enemies. Satan's still out there. Death still exists. The final enemy is death, right? Um, so there's still a further completion of this yet to occur when God then changes the plan back to Israel and the nations and so forth, right? And finally, at the end of the millennial kingdom, uh, everything will be placed under Christ's feet, okay? And uh, so, so it will be, okay? But what Paul is revealing here has to do with the church, the body of Christ. So as far as we're concerned, spiritually speaking, all of those enemies are placed under Christ's feet now, okay? So there are many things you don't have to worry about today that other saints in other ages did, all right? Um, Satan is not going to come and, and, and beat you to a pulp, uh, <clears throat> directly at least. I mean, he will use his system, he'll use his, his erroneous teachings and so forth. Uh, we need not be caught up in some kind of so-called Pentecostal uh, realm where we're constantly in fear of uh, these uh, spiritual forces. We're above that, at least we should be, through this teaching here, right? And then he finishes up and he says, and gave him to be head over all things. Notice it says to the church, okay? Again, this is the revelation for the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, those final words, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. In this longest sentence that Paul ends this way, he finally refers uh, here to this word that I use as our uh, focal point today, this word fullness, okay? Uh, this is an amazing thing. This word, fulfill. Uh, <laughs> if you do a word study on that, and I highly recommend that you do that, you will see something totally amazing, really. Paul uses the word. I'm talking about Paul now. because He uses this word more than anyone else in Scripture. Paul uses the word fullness, whether a noun or in the verbal form, 40, four zero times. In other words, more than nearly every other significant word in his letters is this word fullness or to fulfill. 40 times. 34 of those times, it's used specifically in the way we're looking at it here. It's also used in a couple of other ways, like to fulfill prophecy, for example. Uh, but 34 times used the way it's used here, the fullness of, uh, of all in all, right? Filling full all things. 34 times. In Ephesians and Colossians alone, this word is used 15 times. So these are sh relatively short letters, yet Paul uses the word 15 times. That's amazing. We cannot study these scriptures and not take note of this. It's a dominant theme, okay? And so it's a proper theme for us to look into as we finish up uh, this four-part series today on fullness. Okay, so it's the body of Christ, just to summarize. Our first point is that the body of Christ is the center of God's work under grace, right? And it's glorious, glorious glorious, right? The riches of the glory is the fullness of Christ filling full the body in every possible dimension, spiritually. Okay, that's that's what Paul reveals there in that section of Scripture. Now, as we go on, we'll see what the challenge is that this leaves us with. Okay, if that's the fact of it, right? that that power is at work in that way, to glorify the body and through that to glorify Christ himself, right? If that's the case, 
we're left with a challenge, are we not? A significant challenge. And what is it? Well, Gail, please read for us to find out what the challenge is in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9 through 13. I will. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Amen. Amen. Which is, uh, so Paul's suffering, and uh, we've learned how that works, right? Translates into uh, blessing for the body of Christ and great glory, right? Okay, notice he says this revelation was hidden in God there in uh in verse 9, hidden in God, not hidden in the scriptures in the Old Testament, as many would hope, right? Those that are not dispensational in their understanding do not accept what Paul has written here. They can't, because here he says, this truth, which he calls the mystery, which has to do with Christ and his body and so forth, and the full manifestation of grace, right? This wasn't hidden in the Bible. It was hidden in God, it says here, or it could equally well be translated hidden by God. Uh, Colossians 1.26 said the same thing. We saw that a few weeks back, right? And in 1 Corinthians 2.7, <laughs> there's a reference to the same thing. I'll just read uh, this one section there. It's a wonderful teaching. You should look at it later. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Two says, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Oh, is this not humbling? And then he says, uh, even the rulers of, of, of the world didn't understand what God was doing. For if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Why not? Oh, because through his crucifixion, so many things were accomplished and will be accomplished, right? To totally defeat the rulers of this world, right? Once and for all, Satan being uh, their key uh, <laughs> administrator. Okay, notice he says something might be made known by the church. I, <laughs> The church is the active agent here, by the way. I, I like the King James very much, but it's not perfect. And uh, in chapter um, 3 of Ephesians, verse 10, he says what the overall purpose uh, of this uh, revelation is, and it's very important for us today. The overall purpose of it is that, verse 10, to the intent or for the, for the end purpose or result, that now, that now, that means like today, unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be not known by the church, but made known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Okay. It's to them by us, not by them to us or something like that. It's to them. In other words, the angels, the seraphim, the cherubim, okay, are learning from us about the grace of God and about the wisdom of God in this current dispensation. They're learning that from you. You might think they could just read scripture and know it all perfectly, right? No, uh, they have to learn it through us. That's what this, this section of scripture says, okay? And so you see the challenge now is building here. We have a considerable challenge set before us as stated by these verses. And then he goes on and he says, uh, this is all about the manifold wisdom of God. Do word studies on these things. You study the wisdom of God in Scripture, you find out it's nearly all about God's plan for the ages. It's all about the long war against God and how God is victorious in each phase of the long war, ultimately, right? Uh, 
the manifold wisdom of God. We talk all the time about gaining wisdom and somehow knowing how to do this or that. That's not the scriptural use of the term. Nearly never is the word wisdom used that way in scripture. It's nearly always used in reference to the plan of Almighty God. In other words, it's all about God, not about man. So what's the challenge? Well, uh, he, he, uh, he goes into that in the next verses to make it very clear. Patty, Patty, would you uh, please read for us uh, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21? <clears throat> for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So the working is a working in us and through us, and it's a fact already today, even in this very hour. Uh, you may feel from time to time that you're kind of off in a side uh, uh, place, uh, sort of off the track, maybe, and not right in the center of what God is doing, but that would be completely incorrect. You're right in the very center of what God is doing today under grace. And uh, the constant flow of Christ, uh, his energizing life and power uh, to the body, meaning to us individually, is the focus throughout this whole letter. But notice that this is a prayer. Okay, Paul is praying for us. The earlier prayer was how he, we might come to know and understand, right? This prayer here is how we might receive the challenge and follow through with it. Okay, it's a great challenge indeed. Let me just give you the overview of it. What has he written here? Again, uh, the words are the riches of the glory. The riches of the glory, verse 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Okay, that's something significant there. Now, you know from our other studies that Christ already dwells in all of us, whether this prayer is answered or not, right? So this is talking about another uh, uh, dimension of Christ's indwelling. And the Greek word is a little different, therefore. It's not this word oikeo, which means to dwell. This is kato oikeo, okay? It means to dwell down or deeply down in your hearts by faith, okay? In other words, to settle down and to feel at home. One of the first days in seminary, our Greek teacher was teaching on this very verse and um, showing us the difference between dwelling and dwelling down deeply, which is what we find right here, right? And he gave this illustration. He said uh, um, he had invited uh, a friend who lived far away when he was in, in, in his town to come and stay with him. And uh, the first thing he said when his friend arrived was, I want you to feel at home here. Uh, and so his friend took him quite literally. And in the night, uh, there, he heard these sounds rustling around, wondered what was going on downstairs, went downstairs and found his friend sitting at the kitchen table with a glass of milk and some cookies. And I said, what are you doing? He said, well, you said I should make this my home, feel at home 
to settle down here. And this is what I do when I'm at home. In the middle of the night, if I awaken, I may come down in the kitchen, pour a glass of milk, and eat some cookies. And so I saw that you had some cookies in the cabinet and some milk here. So that's what I'm doing. I hope it's okay. Well, he came to understand <laughs> what the settling down and feeling at home was all about. And that was his illustration of this. Think about that, that Christ may settle down and feel at home in you. Hmm. Because you've accepted the challenge, okay, that's offered here. Notice that what we're supposed to be then grasping onto, in fact, he uses the word comprehend in the King James. That's excellent. Comprehend. It means to seize by grasping onto and holding firmly. In other words, nobody's going to take this out of your your hand, okay? Nothing's going to dissuade you, turn you aside from this. That we may comprehend what? All these dimensions of the love of Christ and might be filled to overflowing. Well, that's the opportunity today to grasp onto all the dimensions of God's love, right? And that we might realize that that uh, that when we thought we've grasped onto it all, we haven't, because notice what he says here. These are wonderful words, aren't they? He says to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, right? Hmm. And then he says in the next verse, you might wonder how many dimensions and what the depth of this really might include, right? He says, now, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, above all that we ask or think. And there's a word hooper or hyper in here uh, with this, okay, in the original. So when you think you've gotten to the end of it, you're not there yet. Some of you studied hyperbolic functions in mathematics. You know what I'm talking about, right? You can't, you think you've gotten to the end, there's always a little bit more to put it in the vernacular, right? And so he says, this power then, verse 20, second part, is already working in us. It's just that we haven't necessarily grasped onto it and received it by faith. How do I know we have to receive it by faith? Verse 17 that Christ may dwell down in your hearts by faith, okay? So that's the challenge. I hope you understand it now. There's a great challenge. Yes, God has worked out so much. There's a power that's already working in us. It's the power that even raised Christ from the dead. But we're not done yet. Now the issue is we'll re-grasp onto that and experience the full dimension of his love, right? Well, let's get to the last part here quickly. It's only two verses. and uh, I've asked Ted to be ready to read that for us. Um, and here we see the promise, the promise. So we've already seen the glory of what God has accomplished. Then we've seen the challenge set before us. Now the promise. God does make a promise. Uh, and he uses this word fullness, as you might expect. That's why we're going to these verses. They all are about the fullness of God. Okay, Ted, please read Philippians 4, verses 18 and 19. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ted. Okay, so uh, what do we have here? Um, these believers had sent an offering. I'm pretty sure they were poor. Uh, believers have most of the time been poor, and they had many needs, right? Uh, but they sacrificed. They, they, they sent an offering off by way of Epaphroditus, okay? He may have been the pastor of that assembly. But he he was the one who carried the gift, gave it to Paul. Paul describes it as an odor of a sweet smell, 
a sacrifice acceptable, well pleasing to God. And amen. When we give a gift truly from the heart, that's what it uh, is in God's sight, right? Uh, and then he says, as a result, he says, I have all and abound, I'm full. Ah, that, you might think that's the word fullness. Yes, it is, right? <laughs> uh, and the word all always goes with it, right? And he says he abounds, he abounds. It was a small gift, I'm sure, but it was great in God's sight and great in Paul's sight. But then look what he says. My God shall supply, future tense, right? This is the promise. All your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Put that in your heart, okay? The word for supply there is this word to fulfill, fill to the fullest, okay? The fullness word, okay? God is going to pour out in abundance like an artesian well overflows all of your need. He's going to meet all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. These are not your wants. These are your needs. He's promised to supply. Okay? And his grace will always be sufficient. So this is sort of the blueprint of how God is working today. Um, the riches of his glory are being poured out upon us. Is that our current experience? The experience has to follow knowledge. It can't go the other way around, right? You go the other way around, it's the cart before the horse. You know what? You go off the path for sure, right? Uh, the focus is on knowing and understanding and, and on grasping by faith what God has said he is doing today through the body. The body is right in the center of the glory of God and his work today, not on the sidelines, right? And so we've seen the glory of it, the challenge of it, and the promise of it, and uh I just would leave it to you if you'd like to share, make a comment, or ask a question, or just give a testimony, if you would. But what a blessing to have this revelation set before us through these letters of the Apostle Paul. Let's never forget what's written here. Go back to it time and time again. Refresh your memory. And uh, then God will be able to use it by reminding you uh, through the circumstances of life concerning all that he is doing today in and through you. Even the angels are watching. Praise the Lord. Do you have any comments? I don't remember the exact reference in Romans 5, but that um, you know God's desire for us, the church, the body of Christ, and each of us as as members of that body, is that we would reign in life. Reign, R-E-I-G-N. Reign as kings. Reign in life. Um, Romans 5, 17. Yes. Okay. That we would reign in life. Amen. And knowing these things and living in the light of these things um, is what enables us to reign in life. Amen. Even though... The affairs of this life may be very discouraging. We have this heavenly, heavenly hope, destiny, and life. And it makes all of the, the troubles of this life fade in significance. The, the glory of that. So, Amen. it came to mind as, yeah, and Romans 5.17 says, if you receive the abundance of his grace, then you will reign in life. Amen. Any other comments? Yeah, it's amazing to me how, how much, you know, this whole concept of the mystery committed to Paul and how important it is to understand. Some of these verses just seem so clear that it's distinctive of Paul. And yet we have trouble getting people to grasp it. And I know it's God that opens their eyes, but I mean, there's a lot of power in here and it shows how important it is for us to 
continue studying his word so that we might grow in that um, in that strength and power. Amen. Amen. Well, I mean, we also do, do not share it as often as we should. And sometimes we don't share it powerfully enough, right? <clears throat> but it's up to God also to open the hearts, right, and the minds. Okay, anyone else like to share? All right, well, let's uh, thank the Lord. Father God, thank you again. Thank you again and again we thank you for working all things out for our good. This great plan of yours, we are indeed full of wonder and awe when we see what's written here and when you give us uh, understanding of these things. Father, I pray that it would not uh, fall on ears that are not uh, sensitive and aware. As uh, we receive it today, may we receive it in a way that would let it be written on our hearts. And as we share it with others, may they receive it in the same way, Father. And, uh, Father, may we not put um, restrictions on God's grace, that it might be still unlimited in scope, as you've revealed it here. Filleth all things, all in all, all things in all ways. Uh, oh, Lord, there's no limit to this. And Paul uses the words uh, the Spirit of God gave to him to uh, sort of encapsulate this truth in human language and then to preserve it for our use today. So, Father, I, I thank you so much for that, and uh, what a blessing it is. It lifts us out of the circumstances of this life when we consider it properly, and it sets us into a heavenly plane. And, Father, indeed, may we be looking down, therefore, from that heavenly position and see the things on this earth growing strangely dim in the light of uh, your glory and grace. So, Father, thank you for each one who's gathered with us today and those that will still hear these words at a future time. And uh, may great blessing flow through uh, them and through us. We would thank you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.